Welcome to episode number 242 of the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping engineers and technical professionals with both their personal and professional development. And in this episode, I'm going to answer some critical career questions for engineering professionals, career planning, licensing, work-life balance. We had some interesting questions around how to be efficient in developing one's career, which I thought was really interesting how to make sure that you maintain a happy work environment for your team. Another really good one. And one on how to just roll with the changes, right? How to adapt in times like these. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano. I am a licensed professional engineer who practiced as an engineer, but eventually decided I wanted to focus more on inspiring engineers rather than doing the engineering myself. So since then, I've written a book entitled Engineer Your Own Success and I've traveled the world helping engineers. And it's good to be back on for an episode. Jeff Perry has been doing a wonderful job hosting the Engineering Career Coach podcast. Jeff took over for me a little while ago as EMI has grown. We've been doing a lot of corporate training, which has taken up a lot of time. And if you're interested in any of our people skills or project management training programs, you can check them all out at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. But these questions came in from a webinar that I ran late in 2020. We want to do some more of those. We're going to do those on a more regular basis where we put out a complimentary webinar, we take some questions, and we answer them because that's what we're here for at EMI. We want to help you succeed and answer your questions. And the questions in this episode, I just thought they were so critical that we should record them on an episode of the podcast. As I mentioned earlier, your mindset, someone asked, should I get an MBA or a master's in engineering management or credentials? So we kind of dive into topics like that in this episode. Again, we're here to serve you. That's what we do at EMI. There's a great quote from the Star Wars movies that uh, one of the uh, Star Wars generals says, the dark side makes you feel alone. That's how they beat you. They make you feel like you're alone and there's no one else to help you. And sometimes I feel like engineers are like that in their careers. They feel like they're alone. They don't know who can answer their questions. And I've always felt like the Engineering Management Institute is here and available to help you so that you're not alone, so that you don't get lost in your career efforts. Questions like the ones you're about to hear can really help engineering professionals to stay aligned, to stay focused, to set clear goals, and to move towards them in their careers. So with that, I'm going to bring you into our main segment here with a quote that's applicable to today's topic. The most common way people give up their power is by thinking they don't have any from Alice Walker. So let's jump in with our first question, which came from one of our subscribers who says, I recently received my mechanical PE license. However, having most of my career as a quality engineer, how should I make the most of it? So great question, right? How can you leverage your PE license? And there's, I think, different ways of doing it. One of the ways you can leverage it is talk to your company and let them know that you've acquired your PE license. Are there any additional benefits that might come along with that from a company perspective? That's always a good question to ask. A lot of companies provide financial bonuses for the PE license. They might notch you up a certain level because you needed a PE license maybe to get to the next project manager, whatever the case may be. So you definitely want to ask your company questions and kind of look into that a little bit. One of the other things that you might look at is what are the salary ranges for people in your field with that PE license? Because if you find that the salary range for, let's say, someone with a mechanical PE in your field is much higher than what you're making, 
then you might have an argument to go to your company or you might eventually have to go somewhere else to try to maximize that, right? Why aren't you at that level if you have your license? And that's something that you're going to want to look at. Let's remember that one of the things I talked about at the beginning of this episode is happiness. That was a theme for the webinar that we ran where we took these questions and happiness isn't necessarily always directly correlated to money necessarily or your salary. So just because you've obtained your license, if you like what you're doing currently and you're comfortable, that doesn't mean that just because you have your license, now you need to go somewhere else or try to get a higher salary because maybe the conditions won't be as good. Maybe what you're doing, you're not going to enjoy as much. So that's something that you want to think about. I think it is important, certainly, to leverage that license and to leverage the skills that you have in your career, but you never want to do it and sacrifice enjoyment or fulfillment in your career because that's a dangerous road to go down. So listen, maybe they'll give you a bonus for now and you'll be happy with that and you'll keep doing what you're doing. Maybe not. That's something you can look into, but I really do think that you always want to make sure that you're happy in what you're doing. And if the PE license can help you become happier and you can get some benefits out of it, fine. But what I'm saying is don't just go somewhere because of those benefits. You know, it's sacrificing what you're actually doing from a day to day. Next question. How do you find a good work-life balance with a career you're passionate about? I love this question. It's an important question and it's certainly in line with the theme I mentioned of happiness. When you find something that you're passionate about and it makes you happy and you enjoy doing it, how do you stop doing it? How do you take a break so you can actually get some of that balance? I mean, I find that to be a struggle for myself. I mean, I really like doing what we do at the Engineering Management Institute, the podcasts, the coaching, the training programs. But you know, I have a family and I have three young kids and I enjoy spending time with them as well. So I have to set limits. And one of the things that's been very challenging over this last year with everybody working from home with this remote situation for many of us is that there's no clear cut line between home and work. I mean, listen, there hasn't really been a clear cut line between home and work since we've been really, since we have mobile phones and the such, right? I mean, you're going to get emails even when you were going to a physical office location, you could still come home and check your emails. But the point is that line has become even more blurred. Now, I know a lot of people are starting to get back to offices that might be somewhat helpful with this, but nonetheless, we still need to set our own limits. So I think what you need to try to do, and my recommendation is to try to create some really good boundaries in your life and create habits and routines that work for you. One of the potential routines I can recommend is a routine called the shutdown process, which I read about in a book called Deep Work by Cal Newport, an excellent book about how people lose focus and we're not able to work as deeply as we used to be. And he mentions having kind of creating this habit of shutting down every night before you leave work, where you go through your emails, you check your calendar for the next day, you literally shut down your computer and walk out of your office. So it's like a shutdown process, a shutdown mechanism, so that when you go through that and physically shut everything down, you're kind of mentally checking out as well. And that's something that I think we don't think about that enough. We're ready to get into work and fire it up, but then when we leave, we got to really turn it down. And if you can do that, you can try to bring some of that balance to your life. And I always go back to one of my favorite authors, Brett Harward. Brett wrote a book called The Five Laws That Determine All of Life's Outcome. I really love the book. We had him speak at one of our engineering career summits years ago, and I got to know him a little bit. And during his talk, we had the topic of work-life balance come up, and he mentioned the story around work-life balance. And what he said that I thought was really, really good way to think about it was 
you should never think of work-life balance as a two-dimensional pie where, you know, half the hours of the week you're at work and half the hours of the week you're at home because that's never really going to happen. What he recommended doing was thinking about it as a three-dimensional pie. And even though the slice of pie for maybe your personal life might be smaller than the slice of pie for work, let's say one week, if you work a lot more than your home, it's the depth of that pie that matters. So when you're home, be home. Don't be on your phone. Don't be checking your emails. Spend the time with your family. When you're at work, be at work. Be fully present in your projects with the people you're working with. And that's creating depth in the pie. So it doesn't matter how big the slice is from a two-dimensional standpoint, but it's how present you are in each of those situations when you're there. And I really, really always went back to that answer whenever someone asks me about work-life balance because it's so true. You're never going to have 100% in terms of balance between the two. But what you can do is try to really be there in each one. And that can be helpful to help you feel more balanced. All right, next question that we have here is, should I go after an MBA or an engineering management degree? And this is a classic question that we get all the time. Is a master's degree worth the investment? Other people have asked me, Maybe I should get something like a PMP, Project Management Professional Certificate, instead of either of the degree programs. So it is a good question. And again, you need to evaluate kind of where you are in your career and how one of these credentials are going to help you. And to do that, you're going to probably need to understand what each of these credentials are. I know that there's a lot of confusion between a master's of business, an MBA, and an engineering management degree. In fact, we're talking with an engineering management program now about possibly coming on the podcast to kind of distill some of that down. But it is important that you really evaluate this because you have to think about this. How much time, how much money, and how much energy does it take you to achieve these different credentials, right? The MBA, the engineering management degree, or something like a PMP. And then based on that investment, what benefits will you reap from those credentials? What benefits will your company reap from those credentials? One of the ways that you can answer this question for yourself is to think about your goals. Take a look at your career goals. If achieving your career goals requires you to obtain any or all of those credentials, then it's probably worth going after them, assuming that you're aligned with your goals and you're comfortable that your goals are, you know, where you want to go. For example, if you want to be the president of your engineering company, but there's a company requirement that presidents of the firm have to have a PE license, well, then you need to get your license. If most of the companies in the discipline that you work in require a master's degree, then you're probably going to want to get a master's degree. So it's probably worth the investment. When someone asks me these questions, the first thing I ask them in response is, what are your goals? And then I try to look at their goals and help them to identify which of these credentials is critical to their goals. And if the answer is none of them, but they're still maybe interested in the credentials, we need to ask why. And then you have to look at the risk-reward equation. For the amount of time, effort, and energy that you're going to put into one of these degrees, what benefits will you reap from it? I'm not saying that it's good or bad. I'm saying that there might be a real opportunity if you get one of those degrees to bring some big benefits to the table for yourself and your company, and there may not. And I think that one thing I'll just say before I go into the next question here is make sure that you truly understand what is involved in each of these credentials in terms of getting them, like talking to the different educational institutions or the licensing institution that you're dealing with. And try to understand from people in industry the benefits to getting them. Like literally ask your company, what if I get this? Or other companies or other colleagues or professionals that have these credentials. Really, really, really important. 
Next question, how can a fresh mechanical graduate be best prepared practically for the industries prior to the first job experience? So essentially, how can you be prepared for a working atmosphere before you get there? It's not easy, but I will give you a couple thoughts on it. First of all, internships are invaluable when it comes to gaining work experience. So if you're able to get an internship in any way, shape, or form with an engineering company, virtual, in person, at any point during your college career, definitely do it. And I know that some schools offer like the internship where you're working full-time for a semester, and I think those are great as well. Another avenue that you might consider is interviewing working engineers while you're in school to get feedback on some of their daily experiences. There's some great YouTube videos out there where engineers give a typical day in the life of an engineer. So you could check out some of those. And honestly, I think that's just an innovative approach, right? Because how many college students are out there interviewing engineers and you're also building your network? There's nothing like the actual experience. You have to just do the best you can do. But you have to know that when you get out there and you start your first job, you're going to be uncomfortable at some times. And that's why the internship can become very valuable. And that's why as soon as you're a freshman in engineering school, you should try to get an internship. And then when you do get out there in the workforce, I highly recommend that you try to find yourself a professional mentor as soon as you can, because a mentor can really, really help you in your career, take it to the next level, and really just like learn the ropes and kind of get broken in as an engineer, more or less. So those are some recommendations I have on that question. All right, next question. Why can't I find a job like a civil engineering technician? I have a certification in AutoCAD, Civil 3D, and other programs. Why can't I find a job? Well, I mean, listen, there could be multiple reasons for this. You know, I don't know your specific situation, but what I can tell you is that, you know, the economy is still in a little bit of a tough spot right now coming off the pandemic. And while I think the civil engineering industry is still generally doing well, there's going to be competition out there because a lot of people are unemployed. So what you really have to do is you really have to stand out. And in today's world, AutoCAD Civil 3D may not be a differentiator. A lot of civil engineering professionals know that program. So you may need to differentiate yourself in another way. Maybe you need to ramp up your LinkedIn profile and usage. Maybe you need to brand yourself more as an expert online so that you really stand out. Maybe you need to volunteer to do some presentations on Civil 3D. Or you don't even need to go maybe that far. Maybe you could just do your own presentation and post it on your LinkedIn profile. right? And get into some LinkedIn groups. Start connecting with people. If you're just creating a resume and sending it around to companies through their websites, you're doing what everyone else is doing. You need to differentiate yourself. How about starting your own podcast on AutoCAD Civil 3D? Come up with something unique and innovative so people can see you as different from everybody else out there. And that may give you a better chance to get a job. All right, we got a few more questions here. The next one I really like, and it kind of really fits with the theme again here, is how do you keep a happy working environment? This is one that I really like because I focus on this on a regular basis at the Engineering Management Institute. And a lot of keeping a happy work environment is just making sure that your team and your staff is happy, that they have happy careers. They're happy in their lives, actually. And so that's the way I do it. What I try to do here, just thinking of my own process around this, is I try to understand what people's goals are, both personally and professionally. And I try to make sure that the company is helping them to achieve those goals. Why wouldn't we do that if you think about that, right? I mean, they have things that they want to aspire and things that they want to achieve. And what happens a lot of times is that companies have goals or like a mission and a vision, but the company doesn't always think about the goals of the individuals that work for them. And so if you're not thinking about their goals, there's kind of a disconnect there. 
So you want your companies to help, and you want your employees to help your company to reach a certain goal, but you're not thinking about them and how you can help them reach their goals. So I always ask our employees on a very regular basis, what are their goals personally and professionally, and how can EMI help them achieve it? What can we do for them? So think about the company or the team serving as a vehicle for helping them achieve their goals. If you do this, you will be very engaging. You will be different than most managers and most companies out there, and you will create a happy working environment. Next question, what are some smart and efficient ways for career growth and development? Another great question, and I hopefully have a great answer for you, which is get strategic. Nobody should be winging it in their career. And that goes back again to kind of goal setting. I've talked about goal setting a lot here in answering these questions. If you have goals and you're taking steps towards those goals, like we talked about earlier, getting certifications, getting licenses, getting work experience, and they're moving you towards your goals, then I would say that that's a pretty smart and efficient way to grow your career. What's not efficient is not having goals because then you have no idea where you're going. Or another thing that's not a great plan is to have goals, but then don't take actions that move you towards those goals. I would say that that's pretty inefficient. So if you want to be smart and efficient in your career, come up with some sound goals and then actions that can move you towards those goals. And one last thing on that point, make sure that you can measure that progress. So if you're going for a master's degree part-time, then you'll know how many courses you need to take and how many you have left to take. And if you're on track to meet your goal by a certain date, you have to be able to measure progress towards your goals. That's why I recommend using a process or a framework known as SMART goals. If you're not familiar with that, you can just Google SMART goals and you can go through the framework. It's essentially making sure that your goals are specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. And if you set goals based on those different aspects, they're going to be much easier for you to accomplish. And here's one last question that I'm going to take that's very relevant to the world we live in today, which is how can we learn to accept new things easily throughout our careers? I saved this question for last because it's really something that we all have kind of learned over the last year with this COVID pandemic is that your ability to adapt, your ability to accept change and kind of roll with it truly will dictate how successful you can be in your career and possibly your company. If you're listening to this podcast, you may still be working remote or virtually. And for some of us, it's still something we're trying to get used to. And what this all comes down to is mindset and mindset shifts. And that's really the answer ultimately to this question for me is it's all about your mindset, the mindset that you've cultivated to be able to deal with change and to be able to adapt. And there's a great book that I've read a while ago called Zen and the Art of Happiness by a gentleman named Chris Prentice. And it's not a religious book of any sort. It's about Zen, the study of being Zen, being peaceful, being calm. And one of the key takeaways from the book was the author defines the idea of a Zen mindset as this. Everything that happens to you is the best possible thing that can happen to you. You cultivate that mindset so that when something does happen to you, you can adjust and flex with it and say to yourself, this is supposed to happen to me. It's the best thing for me. I have to learn how to deal with it right? It's probably helping you in some way, shape, or form. So if you signed up to take the professional engineering licensure exam and you don't pass it, then you're going to study again, hopefully. You have some new knowledge, you know more about the exam, you can apply it, and you can do better next time. For me, I've been practicing this mindset for years now, and I'm really comfortable with it. 
And this has happened to me in the past where I sat down for a podcast to record it. And I recorded a dynamite podcast for 45 minutes. And then I realized after recording it that I didn't hit the record button. And so having this mindset allowed me to just remain calm, kind of say to myself, this is the best possible thing that can happen to me. It probably means that the first run wasn't great. And I'm going to do it much better on the second time around. So I'm going to go get a drink of water. I'm going to come back to my desk. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to make sure I hit the record button this time. And I'm going to record it again. The answer to that question really is to cultivate a mindset that allows you to shift in your career when you have to, that allows you to adapt to adversity when it arises. Because if you can learn to do that, then you will always be in a great place in your career and in life. That's something that I can tell you from my own experience and if you're interested, check out the book Zen and the Art of Happiness by Chris Prentice because that can help you. And there are many other mindset-related books out there. In fact, I know Jeff Perry, who's taken over as co-host here on the podcast, talks a lot about mindsets and they really can drive your success. hope you enjoyed the episode today. I want to thank all of you that submitted questions and we will try to do more of these webinars from time to time to give you a forum to get your questions answered. That's what we pride ourselves on at the Engineering Management Institute. As always, we love to hear feedback, comments, or questions. You can go to engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Look for episode number 242. There you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode of the Engineering Career Coach, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during the episode. Please continue to follow along with our content. We're here to help you through what I know is a tough time for many people, and we want to help you really engineer your own success in your career. So until next time, I wish you the best in all of your engineering career endeavors. The strategies that you heard in this episode will be of no use to you unless you take action and start to implement them in your career immediately. To help you do that, we have designed a system that you can use at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. It combines live monthly webinars with PDHs, plus a private forum giving you access to coaches and premium content focused on helping you build your management and leadership skills. Join us for our next live webinar at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org and will help you engineer your own success.